0: Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, teaching pastor at Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith as well as our You Asked For It series, where we address your questions about trusting God's goodness as Father and living out His fullness as beloved sons and daughters. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at myoverflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional at amazon.com. Amen. Amen. Well, we have reached the final week of our Holiness Series, and one of the things we've been doing is talking about how each of our pastors come. We want you to meet them and see how they bring fullness to us. And I am so thrilled for so many reasons today to be joined by my sister and our creative arts pastor, Pastor Ruth. (laughs) You got some fans out there, Pastor Ruth. Well, I first met Pastor Ruth, actually when she came to our church, and all I knew was it was the daughter of my dear friends, Michael and Kathy, and that she was a... Um,
1: Michael and Kathy have
0: fans, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Um, that, that she was a singer that was putting out her first album and she needed a keyboardist, and I said, yeah, I'll jump on, I'll, I'll play some tracks, and then playing this really anointed, powerful uh, music with her and got to be part of a, a concert, and just started forming a friendship. And then all of a sudden, at the same time, we were doing these overflow services, these overflow prophetic services, just leaning into the hunger of God. And I had just called Pastor Chris to help me lead in some prophetic worship. And it was that week I said, I think there's something more we're supposed to be writing together. There's something that needs to get out of this house. And that Sunday night, Pastor Ruth shows up at our worship. And she comes up afterwards. It was the very same week. And she said, I don't want to be presumptuous, but the Lord is stirring something. And I feel like there's something maybe the three of us are supposed to write together. And that was the birth of Valley's End, where we started going. And then it was very shortly after that that Pastor Ruth took over the Fine Arts Ministry. And since then we've been on some adventures. Yeah. So um with my sister Pastor Ruth, we have found ourselves uh, in Nashville recording an album. We've been in Austin, Texas with the Fine Arts and Haiti in Orlando a ton of times. <laughs> um, we've been at the Strass Center where we released our album with the incomparable Jenny Owens. We've been at November Fest and the Strawberry Festival, and uh, our friends at A Door of Hope, our favorite place, The Crazy Cup, uh, we've been out at Wiregrass Mall, and we got to even play at the renowned Bluebird Cafe in, up in Nashville, and uh, we've had an opportunity to write songs together, uh, to mentor teens together, and gosh, to meet about uh, about a billion details about how to lead people in understanding their identity and releasing it. And I want to tell you that for uh, Chris and I, who received Ruth in every way, not only as our dear friend, but truly our sister, uh, we have a nickname for her, and the name is Royalty. And it's not royalty because she's a diva. Um, It's royalty because there is something so unique. When you meet somebody that has a gentleness and a grace and an honor, but is confident and knows who they are as a daughter before the Lord. And that's how I watch Pastor Ruth walk. That's how she's led us. It's her faith that has led to many of the things that you've watched God open up here, but even personally uh, in my life. And I want to tell you, if I had words to describe her, Beyond royalty, I would say that she is generous with all that she has, that she has great faith, that she is a deep well before the Lord, and that she's hilarious, usually on purpose. (laughs) So, Pastor Ruth, would you share with us what your role is as creative arts pastor at Overflow Church?
1: Yes. I will do it. Okay. Um, (laughs) I co-lead worship with my amazing friend and mentor, Pastor Chris. I love that. Um, I help lead the charge of the prophetic with Pastor Cindy. Um, I oversee Sunday morning children's ministry. And um, last but not least, I oversee fine arts and fun arts and our newest expansion into drama and writing for adults.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay. So that's a whole lot of creativity that God is releasing. And so The question that I've I've been asking everybody here, because I believe, you know, the Bible says if you receive a prophet as a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. When we understand who you are in the body and what you're seeing and we come into agreement, something different happens. So the question I would love to ask you, um, you walk with a very prophetic heart before the Lord. What is your sense of expectancy for overflow? What do you see God doing this year? What have you been praying for him to establish? And what do you think he has for us?
1: The phrase that keeps coming to mind is, on earth as it is in heaven. Like, I just, I want myself and the body um, to just understand that there, it's open heavens. Like, we can walk in the fullness of the Lord. We can walk with the presence always, not just here on Sunday morning, but everywhere we go. Um, We can ask for deeper and more of the presence. So, really, I just, I want us to be a, a people that pursues the presence of God and doesn't take his holiness for granted. That we would just um, bring sacrifices of praise before him, even if we don't feel like it. Um, And that we would just be able to discover our gifts and our creativity. That we wouldn't hide or be in fear. That we would be risk takers for the kingdom of God. Because I believe creativity can open up new things and and, um, can heal. And I think a lot of people are afraid of the gifts that the Lord has given them. And so that's just really been my prayer, that we would walk in confidence in the fullness of God in our uh, fivefold grace giftings and the talents and gifts he's given us, too. Wow.
0: So I want you to hear what she just said. So I heard a few things, and we don't, we don't pre-preview these, right? So I know my sister, and I know her heart, but as I'm hearing this today, I'm hearing it when you're hearing it, and this is what I just heard from her. I heard her say that she wants to see on earth as it is in heaven. That we would see that the things that Jesus already purchased on the cross that are completely available, not just in this service, but every day that we would see them. And now listen, we just had, and if you don't know him, Tom, my brother here, who is a a deacon and is actually normally very reserved, who came up shouting that Jesus healed him, that's on earth as it is in heaven. So what Pastor Ruth is saying is, she doesn't want just a fraction of that, she wants all of it. She doesn't just want it for Sunday morning, she wants all of it all the time because it's all been purchased. That's the first thing I heard you say. The second thing I heard her say is she wants the holiness of God to be held high. She wants us not to lose the fact that it's all about Jesus. And the third one that I heard you say is that you want to see a confidence in our sense of identity that it would lead to a sense of risk in faith, that we'd actually step out from the shadows, that we'd be who God created us to be. So here's what I want to ask, church. Do you believe that's what God wants to do this year at Overflow Church? Do you receive from your creative arts pastor that that's what God wants to release? So here's what I want to ask. If she's released a blessing to you, we want to bless her. I'm going to ask you to extend your hands to Pastor Ruth. And so, Father, first we come and say that we receive what you have given your daughter to see for this place, that we would be people who would walk and see all the time what you have for us. Father, that we would see your miracles. Father, that we would hold your holiness high. And that we would step out of the shadows and know. And so, Father, what I hear right now is as she has spoken it out, let it be so first in her. I speak on earth as it is in heaven for my sister Ruth and her family. I speak on earth as it is in heaven for my sister Ruth and her family. Their every need. for Brandon and Ruth, for their marriage, for their amazing kids, for their family, for their business, for their health, for their callings, for their clarity, for their peace, for their revelation. Father, I hear you say to her, because you have held my holiness in high regard, I'm ready to release it over this place. So I speak the words of the Father. Thank God for you, Ruth Spiegel. Thank God for your faithfulness. And I hear him say, because you boldly stepped out of the shadows to know who you are. There are many other running behind you, and I see it igniting. I see it like the, and back to the future when the, when the DeLorean takes off and it leaves just like the streak of fire behind it. I see, Ruth, as you walk, there's a streak of fire behind you of sons and daughters stepping out of the shadows. And they can, it's like, it's like Hansel and Gretel, they can see the way because the breadcrumbs that you're leaving is a flame. To say, follow this way. So, Father, I pray that you would just ignite it, that we we ain't seen nothing yet. We bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we thank the Lord for our sister? Get your minds ready for action being fully sober, and set your heart completely on the grace that will be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Like obedient children, do not comply with the evil urges you used to follow in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, become holy yourselves in all of your conduct, for it is written, you shall be holy because I am holy. Get your minds Ready for action. Get your minds ready for action. I love this phrase because in the Greek it literally means gird up the loins of your mind. That would be a good tattoo to get, wouldn't it? (laughs) Gird up the loins of your mind. And maybe that doesn't mean something to you, but to Paul's original audience, this is what they found. In the first century, everywhere they went, they went with long and flowing garments, and when it was time to go into battle, if they were going to make it and not injure themselves and others around them, if they were going to be ready to step in, they literally had to gird up their garments. They had to, to, to fasten them up in a belt. And he says here, I want you to gird up your minds for action. What's he saying? There's, there's other things flowing around. There's lots of noise around you. There's flowing garments of a lot of noise, a lot of anger, a lot of angst, A lot of the world is going to hell in a handbasket, whatever that means. And he says, what I want you to do is to gird up your minds." In fact, later in Ephesians, what Paul is going to say is that what we're actually called to gird up with is a belt called truth. That we are people, that as we know who and whose we are, and as we remember what story we're in, we prepare our minds for action. And briefly here, he shares three ways that we're to respond here in 1 Peter. It says that we're to sober up, that we're to look up, and that we're to give up. First, that we need to sober up. You see, it says that. Make your minds ready for action, being fully sober. What's he saying? I want you to be awake. I want you to be aware. I want you to regain your expectancy. Stop drifting. Stop surviving. Stop surviving. I think it's time that we need to stop Christian DUIs. Okay, what do I mean? I mean all the things that we're doing under the influence of a voice that is not worthy anymore. It's time to stop Christian DUIs. It's time to stop doing things and thinking things that are no longer worthy of who we've become in Him. We've got to sober up. We've got to stop doing under the influence of an angry and grieving and wandering world. The scripture says it's time to awake, O sleeper. Christ is ready to shine on you. Last week we talked about how it was time for you and I to desire again. And man, it was so awesome last week to see six people cross the line of faith to come into the kingdom of God, to see this whole altar full of people saying, Jesus, I'm just ready for you to take over all over again. In just a few minutes, we're gonna step outside on the breezeway and watch a lot of people be taken over by the spirit of God in baptism. We've got to sober up. The second one he says is this, that we've got to look up. Look where he continues here. He says, set your hope completely. What's he saying? He's saying, dear beloved child of God, it is time to put all of your eggs in one basket. It's time to cash in all your bets on one thing. What? A grace that your Jesus will be fully revealed. We gotta look up. We gotta look up. We spend a lot of time looking down, looking at our feet. In fact, they say if you go running and you look down at your feet the whole time, the, the trajectory of your head is actually gonna pull and slow your pace so much. So, yes, first you sober up, you tighten up the things that are lies, but then after that, you look up. You set your hope completely on what? Grace, that my Jesus will be fully revealed. What's he saying? I want you to hope completely in that today. And I love this word grace. I bought insurance on my phone, don't worry about it. <laughs> I love this word grace because maybe you've heard before grace is, is favor from God you don't deserve, and that's true, but that's only half of the definition. What grace actually means is it means a gift the Father gives you in his delight for you that he keeps giving until you're filled with delight. Somebody get that? Every time Paul opens a letter and he says, grace to you from God the Father, what is he saying? I want you to have a revelation that I want you to put all your hope in today. What? that your father delights in you and he's not going to stop pursuing you until you're filled with delight. And if you're in Christ, the day will come that you will see him completely for every person. Every knee will bow before the Lord and see. So set your hope completely today on him. What's it saying? It's saying, listen, I don't know all the stops Or the detours, or the hills, or the valleys, but this bullet train called My Life has only one destination, and it's a city called the Father's Delight. That's where this train stops and stays forever. That's my home. And what does he say? I want you to look up and see it's coming. You're already on the track. I don't want you to be a Christian unbeliever. What's he saying? He's saying we need to to live no longer in the wait and see. Or maybe you've heard this when you were growing up. Well, don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. Can I give a word to somebody this morning? It's time to get your hopes up. Can somebody in the room get your hopes up finally? He said, I want you to set your hope completely that your Jesus delights in you and he is every bit as glorious as he said. And you're going to see him. You got to look up. What do we do? We sober up, we look up, and the third, we've got to give up. Give up what? We've got to give up all the substitutes and additives that dilute and taint who we've now become in Christ. As Peter is writing about this, he talks about two of them. He talks about lifestyles that are unworthy of who we've become. He talks about a behavior that can only be defined as evil. Now, we've made evil, ooh, a scary word. You know what it means? It means bad and rotten means that some of the behavior that you're keeping in your pantry rotted a long time ago. It's never going to give you any nutrients again. It's time to throw it out. It's time for a declutter. It's time to get rid of the behavior that no longer serves who you have become in Christ. The second one that we've got to give up are mindsets that are unworthy. Look, he uses the word. He said, you used to follow it in ignorance. You used to not know who you were. I would say the time has come that we as Christians got to stop asking the question, how close can we get to the line before going over, right? The question, is this allowed? Is this sin? Is this okay? I would say this to you, the God of the universe delights in you, and today he is completely knowable. Why in the world would you hold on to anything else? I've got to let it go, and I've got to know him. I've got to give up anything that's slowing me down any further. Because he's holy. And he made a way today for you and I to be holy. And so now in this last message of our holiness series, there's this main idea I want to share with you just one more time. And it's this, that us being holy, us being set apart for a life for God comes only as a byproduct of us being holy us being healed and returned to the design that God, our Father, who delights in us, originally desired for us. That holiness is the fruit of wholeness. And now as we've walked through this time, we've looked at a lot of facets, and this is where I want to end today. And i got to tell you, I've been filled with such expectancy for what's going to happen in the next few minutes. Here's our final big idea. Holiness is not a monument and it is not a moment. Holiness is a movement you keep making over a lifetime. Holiness is not a monument, and it is not a moment. Holiness is a movement you keep making over a lifetime. What do I mean? First of all, holiness is not a monument. It's not a statue. It's not fixed. Jesus Christ is not a historical thing that happened once in your life. And it can never be a box you check off on a list on a voter's registration. Beyond that, holiness is not a moment. Some people, we we find ourselves, and I've been guilty of this so many times in life, I've been in a moment of watching God do something amazing in somebody's life, and I find that what what I'm waiting for is I'm waiting for holiness to happen to me. I read stories like the Apostle Paul on Damascus Road getting knocked off his horse and seeing a bright light, and I think, when that happens, then I'll be holy. But if I could say to every person who is hearing my voice, your holiness moment happened 2,000 years ago when the Holy One entered into a grave and took all unholiness with Him and buried it and came out on the other side and said, I am holy, so now you can be holy as I am holy, follow me. What does that mean? It means you may walk an aisle and you may pray a prayer and you may have a thousand miraculous moments like my brother Tom had, and I hope you do and I believe that you will because he cannot deny himself. It's all real, and I praise God for it. But listen, true holiness is cultivated by your surrender moment by moment. What am I saying? You're not waiting for that moment. You're choosing to be present in this moment and to steward this moment and then the next moment and then the next moment. What is holiness? Holiness is a movement. The picture I get Is when you go to the airport and you see the the moving sidewalks. Now when I see the moving sidewalks at the airport, I love to people watch. Because there's at least three kinds of people that get on that moving sidewalk. Now some of them, they get there and they just barely make it. You watch those people? (laughs) They're like, they did not have another step in them.
1: They get on,
0: they hit it, and then boom, they just drop and unplug like a bump on a log. And they're like, it's going to get me to the other side, it's going to be fine, but I don't want to look at anybody, I don't want to think about anything, I'm just here. Okay." Then you watch some of the rebellious ones. They're the ones that get halfway and decide, I think it'd be funny for everybody here if I just ran in the opposite direction, all the way down this movie side. And So they, they run, and of course, they're not aware of anything going on around them, knocking over people's bags. But my favorite people to watch, in fact, the only ones I will say are actually having fun in the airport, are the ones who hit that moving sidewalk and they race down it as fast as they can, as if they are the flash itself, and they run out. As a side note, I love watching when they hit the end of that sidewalk. It's amazing. (laughs) But I gotta tell you something. If you've given your heart to follow Jesus Christ, you're already on the moving sidewalk. You're already going. So listen, you could exhaust yourself through mindsets and behavior that are no longer worthy of you in a way that would be running against the moving sidewalk. But here's the deal. This one's moving far faster. You're going to lose. You will end up at the destination called your father's delight because he delights in you, and he's not going to stop pouring in until you're filled with delight. So you could waste your moments here looking like something, carrying anger and rage and bitterness and unforgiveness and lust and things that aren't worthy of you anymore but you're gonna wear out and you're gonna lose on that sidewalk and he's going to have your heart because he has your heart. For some, you could be at the place right now where you say, you know what? I'm just completely spent. And if you're really being honest this morning, you say, I've mostly checked out. I'm not present in the moments in my life. I'm here, but I'm not present. You could check out and be exhausted and just take visitations with Jesus from time to time. And this is what I wanna let you know. Peter's promise to you is true Jesus will be revealed, but you are missing the present grace and delight of your Father that can fill you with joy now. Where I get excited, the nuts part of this whole thing is this. That the Holy Spirit has given you and I permission to be the deliriously crazy ones who run with delight all the way down the sidewalk in a way that will wake up and get people to sober up and snap out of everything else going on around them and see and go, I've got to be compelled to follow you. To run in such a way that others would look up and they would run with you celebrating the whole way. And i got to tell you, I've made my choice, y'all. I've made my choice what to do with my moments. Holiness is a movement where we choose courageously to sober up, to look up, to take his grace, and to give up anything that's in our way. And I'm wondering in the room, who is ready to run? Three people. (laughs) Who's ready to run? Briefly, I want to activate... Three ways this morning that we can surrender to a movement of wholeness that results in a byproduct of holiness. And then we're gonna respond watching some brothers and sisters and sons and daughters surrender in the waters of baptism. The first is this we've gotta clear the contaminants over and over again. Clear the contaminants over and over again. You and I have been made in the image of a creator, which means that we were created. To create. It's in our DNA. And I want to give you a foundational truth of the human race. We create and cultivate. I want you to know that is not possible or potential. That's a fact. It's not that some people could create and cultivate, but at this very moment, you are accessing your creative capacity, and you, like your God, are bringing things from the dust out into life, and they either look like the kingdom of God or the dead ways you left behind. Let me say it another way. The seeds you feed will breed... And then lead you and others. The seeds you feed in your life will breed. And then those seeds will lead you and others. James talks about this twice in his letter to the believers. First he says this, James chapter 1, he says each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and they're enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. That's a seed that leads its way to death. Just a few chapters later, he gives a very different picture and he says this, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What's he saying? He's saying when you feed... Seeds of sin, it breeds death to the dreams that God has given you. And when you breed death to the dreams God has given, it leads you and all of those around you into despair. On the flip side, when you feed seeds of peace, it always breeds righteousness, wholeness, and it leads you to holiness. So the question we have to ask if holiness is a movement is, what seeds are you feeding today? What seeds are you feeding? And in fact, I would love on this next slide to give it to you in two categories. Of some feeds that we, seeds that we could feed that would not be healthy for us. They could show up in our lifestyle or they could show up in our mindset. Lifestyle seeds that show up. They could be seeds of addiction. Seeds that come in our lifestyle to some substance. By the way, when I say substance, I don't mean something that's just legal or illegal. You could find yourself addicted to a a substance of Netflix, or approval, or gambling, or food. But something that you say, I've got to have this thing to get me through the day. You could feed the seeds of dishonor. These would be seen in things like gossip, and dishonesty, and bitterness, and anger, and manipulation. There's some people that when you meet them, it just seems they're always, they have to be angry about something, that they come to your church and they're angry at the last five churches they went to, that they're telling you about this friend that used to be their friend they're angry with. And listen, I learned this a long time ago from my spiritual father, if Bob shows up and Bob has a problem with Tim and Joan and Susie and Bill, the problem's Bob. And there's so many times in my life what I've seen is somebody who has fed seeds of dishonor over and over and over and over again. And listen, just because a narrative is popular, even amongst Christians, doesn't make it holy. And it doesn't make it worthy. Honor is the language of heaven. We could feed seeds of sexual sin. Things like pornography or immorality, promiscuity. We talk about these when you look at, at the, the sin of immorality. There's so many questions that come about our sexual identity, and we're living in the midst right now, this whole question of what's right and what's wrong. And i got to tell you, heterosexual, homosexual, every side of it, what I'm finding right now is there's lots of people that are just worshiping at the altar of sex. And it's born out of an insecurity and an orphan spirit. And when they're wondering why won't God bless that, it's because he wants to fill you with delight, and it'll never be found there. Found further than that sometimes, and I'm not going to meddle here too long this morning, but sometimes what ends up happening within our churches is we get so caught up on things of the the left agenda, and we want to talk about people who are struggling with homosexuality or bisexuality or something like that, that all the things that we're allowing that are just corruptive, terrible, turmoil, heterosexual opinions, we turn a blind eye to, and we're like, well, they're struggling, but at least they're on the right team. And this person, they even have a temptation in this way, and we're going to say, you can't even darken the doors of our church. It's a problem. Thank you. (laughs) Seeds that we feed, seeds of control. Maybe you've never recognized its control before, but inflexibility, a demand for certainty, striving. Ultimately, seeds of idolatry, making a god out of a relationship, a job, out of money, possessions, comfort, entertainment, your image. Just as equally, we could feed seeds of mindsets that then lead to these behaviors. I love our restoration manual uh, that Pastor Lynn and Robin put together. They talk about these mindsets that lead to behaviors. But some of these mindsets that come that are seeds right now that we could be planting in the ground are things like anger and jealousy, fear and shame, despair, lust, perfectionism, judgment, insecurity, and rejection. What am I saying? Listen, the seeds that you feed will breed, they will multiply. And then they will begin to lead you, your family, those around you. And so let me be real about this for a minute. What I found through much ministry is I see a whole lot of self-fulfilled prophecy. I see a whole lot of people who will come, and they're constantly, by the time they come to meet with me in my office, they have been feeding a narrative of rejection and drama over and over and over again. God's not good. He's not going to look out for me. People are going to let me down. I'm going to always be the victim. I'm going to always be the victim. And this is what I find. I've known many of them 10, 20 years, and I find no matter what changes in their job, where they live, their relationships, they always feel like God and others are rejecting them, and they're always in drama. Why? Because the seeds that you feed will breed. And then they will lead you and everyone around you. On the flip side, somebody say praise God. Praise God. God. It doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to feed the seeds of a dead plant. We can feed seeds of life surrendered to the Holy Spirit that goes deep and and leads to sweet fruit for us and others. Look at this. Galatians chapter 5 says this. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. When you start to plant seeds in the ground of these things, you see that they will sprout up into great fruit for you and those around you. Why? Because the seeds that you feed will breed And then they'll lead you and those around you. So this first one, how do we get in the movement of holiness? We've got to clear the contaminants. What does it mean? It's time to tend garden, y'all. It's time to remove the weeds. It's time to kick out the pests that are attacking the crop of your mind and your behavior. So I want to ask a question. What mindsets and what lifestyle behaviors do you need to declutter because they don't serve who you are and where you're headed anymore? That's how you steward this moment called holiness. We clear the contaminants. The second one is this. We've got to choose community over and over again. How do we live? Anybody in the room say, I want to live in a way that is a wholeness that pours out into holiness? Anybody want that? Anybody want to continue to be in a place where we see the miraculous God move in our presence? Great. He says, be holy because I'm holy. He says, the first way you're going to get it is not waiting for some moment. It's not being an orphan, putting it on somebody else. Somebody else has to bring me to the water before I can go. Remember that guy with Jesus? He said, no, I'm the healer. I'm going to break that today. What do we have to do? We have to take responsibility first and clear the contaminants. What mindsets, what lifestyles don't serve you anymore? There's no condemnation, only invitation in the kingdom of God. But stop sitting like a bump on a log without a smile on your face on the moving sidewalk and get up and run. The second, don't run alone. We've gotta choose community over and over again. The beginning of the story, the very first thing God said about the human race is it's not good for you to be alone. It's not just a word for marriage, that is a word for humanity. The I can't say to the hand, I don't need you. If the parts of your body live separate from one another, you wouldn't live. It only works when you live together and we are the body of Christ. The enemy of our souls knows that all he needs to do to get us blind and jaded and off track is to get us alone. Somebody write that down. Because you want to know, why is God not answering my prayers? It might be because you're all alone, and you've chosen isolation, and you've chosen consumerism, and you've chosen being by yourself, and it might be popular, but it's not true, and it's not healthy. So when I say we've got to choose community, I mean two things. One, we've got to declare war against the shallow, consumer, event-driven life that makes our schedule a mile wide with activities and makes our news feeds thousands of friends, but we're not planting roots or getting vulnerable enough for healing with any of them. we got to be at the place where it's, I'm always running, I'm always going, I've always got events, and I'm going to say, but who are you getting deep with? Who are you getting vulnerable with? Heard the difference between transparency and vulnerability. Transparency is like one of those see-through backpacks. It says, I'm going to let you see everything that's in me, but vulnerability is very different. Vulnerability says, I'm going to actually make you see all this thing and get in close enough uh, proximity with you that you could hurt me. I would say to you, we don't just need transparency. We need vulnerability. We need to get close enough in relationship with other people that we're not walking alone. It's one of the reasons that we as a church pivoted a year ago we said we had two services going. We said we're going to have one service here. We're going to add chairs in the worship center. Why? Because we want to simplify our schedule. We're recognizing that people are always passing like ships in the night. We're one church. We want to be one family. We'll have one service. Over the last year, whether you've recognized it or not, we've simplified our calendar and our ministries like exponentially. Why? To call everybody to get in missional community. And i got to tell you, for our missional communities, we've just started to make this pivot. But for the people in our church that have said, I'm no longer going to treat community like another item on a busy list, but I'm actually going to plug in and get deep and vulnerable, it's happening. We're watching glory pour out. We're watching the saints equip one another. We're watching people not walk alone. And we're watching good seeds come down into the ground. The second part I mean when I'm talking about us choosing community over and over again, is we've got to declare war against the shallow, politically correct ways that we appear vulnerable without actually letting anybody in. Galatians chapter 6, it says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So you ready? Quiz time. How do we fulfill the law of Christ? How do we fulfill the law of Christ? Christ has one law, it's love. Love says, how do you fulfill the law of love? You bear one another's burdens. Listen, that word bear, it means come under the weight. It means undergird. It means support. It means help steady as you walk with them to their destination. And when I read this scripture, I think of the same thing every time. Over 20 years now in ministry, many of those years in youth ministry, I see the image, the number of times that I've gone to help a friend move. Anybody ever gone to help a friend move? Oh, man, that's a time where you can pray and believe in miracles. Because every time you go to help a friend move, without fail, there's one impossible piece of furniture. It's odd shaped, it's solid wood, it's an heirloom from the 1600s that's priceless. It weighs a thousand pounds, and of course, it has to go up the wraparound staircase to the furthest room in the house. And what you'll find is when you're going to bear the burden of this with your friend, it's going to take a strategy of several people each finding their place who will constantly be willing and flexible to readjust and shift their weight as circumstances change because we're not gonna drop this thing that is priceless to our friend. We gotta bear one another's burdens. So here's my question, who is it in your life that you've positioned your time, your soul, and your schedule to be that for? I don't wanna hear any more about the things that are on our calendars and our schedules and all the good Christian events. Whose burdens are you bearing? because you've made yourself vulnerable to be in their life? Who's identifiable right now that you'd say, that's who I walk with? Let me ask a second question. Who have you positioned yourself enough to be present so they would be that for you? I've heard a lot of offense, and listen, I'm preaching to the choir here. I've heard a lot of offense that have come up in the last years over the church. You have no idea how many complaints I have to hear about the church as a whole from believers. And I've heard stories that have broken my heart of things that have happened within churches. But I've also heard a lot of blame of orphaned spirits coming and not taking responsibility. That church didn't put me in a community. That church didn't take care of me. That person didn't see me. They didn't pursue me. I don't think Paul said, make sure other people at your church, make sure that somebody could bear your burdens and then you'll fulfill the law of Christ. He didn't say... Show up on Sunday morning, and then your church is responsible to put you in a relationship where others will bear your burdens. And once they've done that long enough, then you can decide that you want to bear others' burdens. No, he says if you want to know the gospel, if you've crossed the line and you're on the moving sidewalk, then whether your church gets it or your church doesn't get it, you have the same mandate. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Listen, I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm ready to kick off this orphan spirit off of the church that's walking around like a victim when we're more than conquerors. That wasn't even in my message, but it's good. (laughs) It is time, guys, for the pride of I'm okay moving by myself while we are dying on the staircase to go. And it is equally time for the excuses that we've given for DIY community where we desire depth without actually giving the priority of our presence to go. Let me just say this. Right now there's some people coming in and they get really mad. when when I talked about Valley's End starting. When Valley's End started, Chris, Ruth, and I chose community together and we walked very closely. And there were some other people that played music and they got really mad at me. And they were like, well, I don't understand because you didn't choose this with me. And I said, first of all, the Lord chose that, but there's a difference. They actually gave the priority of their presence and their yes. They actually came through and walked with me. It's a very different thing than I want you to just put me in a position. We've got to get rid of this DIY community that says, I'm just going to treat community like another thing to check off my list, and then I'm going to get mad when I see somebody else find depth because they went all in. It's time to just simply go all in. How do we get on the moving sidewalk? We clear the contaminants. How do we get on the moving sidewalk? We choose community over and over again. I'm going to ask, where is it time for you to choose courage in your schedule and priority to stay face-to-face with difficult people? Maybe you're at this church right now, and there's something that's happened here. Maybe it's with me that has frustrated you. And you want to find yourself in that same narrative that's like, man, I got one foot left in the door. I'm going to go, I'm going to ask you to be bold and courageous. We're not always going to get it right. Would you help bear the burden with me and come? And would you plug in? We need to choose community over and over again. The last one is this. How are we going to do it? We've got to cherish Christ over and over again. I know no better place to end our series than right here. It all comes back to intimacy, a friendship with God that is our greatest privilege, so we make it our greatest priority. And this is what I would say to us, to people that I love, and so often I say looking in the mirror. Guys, so often we want to be bold for Jesus, but we stop beholding Jesus. So often we want to be bold for Jesus, but we stop beholding Jesus. And it is so easy to get lost deep in a forest of Christian activity and morality and events that were actually losing Christ. In Revelation, it was written this way. It said, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you can't tolerate wicked people. You've endured hardships for my name. You haven't grown weary, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. It is possible for you and I to work hard and to be good and to fight evil and to persevere and yet lose the wonder of our first love. And I love the advice if you find yourself there that you say, you know what? I'm serving Jesus a lot, but I'm not enjoying the presence of Jesus because I'm always running with all the things I thought I was responsible for. What's the answer? He said, go back, do what you did at first. Can I tell somebody in the room that is really good advice for your marriage? It's really good advice for a stale friendship. It's really good advice for your church and it is really good advice for your relationship with Jesus. Go back and do what you did at first. Stop wanting to represent Jesus and instead re-present yourself to Jesus as a kid. Rediscover the wonder and grace and joy and this is where we're gonna land this morning because when God wanted to talk about this, he gave us an image and the image he gave us was the image of baptism. And so I would love to get a volunteer. Juliana, can you come here real quick? Give it up for Juliana. She's excited that I'm calling her up. Thank you, Juliana. You're amazing. I asked the Lord to show me who it would be if it was you. Yay. Thank you for trusting me enough to be up here. Or just that you showed up, that you're here. So when the Bible talks about baptism, this idea, there are two pictures that God gives. The first picture that he gives is literally a picture of death and a newness of life. So in the first century, when they would have gone, they would have gone out to the place where they normally bathed, where they normally swam, where all the recreation was. They went out to the river. And when they would go to the river and somebody said, I've given my life to follow Jesus, they gave a very clear picture. And so we're going to kind of do a, a baptism here. So I'm going to have you cross, cross your arm, yep, and plug your nose. There you go. Oh, it's so good. We don't want any air to get... And there you go. So when they would come and they would talk and, and talk to somebody like Juliana and say, Juliana, have you given your life fully to follow Jesus? And do you want him to just fully take over in your life? And that's a real question. Yes. You love Jesus, you want him to fully take over, yeah? Okay. So now as, as she came in this place, they came in a moment and said, okay, I see that, that Juliana fully wants to take over, but there are some mindsets and some behaviors that want to stick to her that don't have any bearing on her anymore. So what we're gonna come together as a community and do is we're gonna make a declaration that Juliana has died to her old way so literally, is they would dip her back in the water, you're doing so good, doing so good. It's like we're dancing. And then they'd bring her back up. Is they would dip her under the surface of the water and she would be entirely immersed, water all around her. It was a place where they were saying, you've been buried to your old way of living. That old way, you're not a hybrid of that that's just trying harder and more moral today. It's gone. And when you come back up, you are raised up to newness of life, which means Juliana comes up knowing that she's got a new heart and a new mind. And this is what excites me. Jesus did that. Baptism didn't do that. Jesus did that, but we live like who we believe we are. So when Juliana comes before her family and says, I've made this declaration, and we say, we see that in you, something happens when a hungry person gets in the water. But there was a second thing that they did. So that when you come and say, man, I was was dead, now I'm alive. But the second one was, remember the river was where they come to bathe. So as they would go again and again and again and again, they'd find these contaminants would want to stick to their feet, these things that they didn't want. Anybody ever have mindsets stick to you that you don't want anymore? Right? Anybody ever, ever have times in your life where God just radically breaks something, and you find it's like I'm walking with a new mantle. It's like I'm walking in a new way. I've been a Christian. I've known him. But now I'm walking in a new understanding of just how much he loves me. Anybody ever been there? So you find often people will come and say, I want to be baptized. And in the same way, we're doing it one more time, Julian. You're doing good. Don't let the air get up your nose. So, so Julian, I'm just going to ask this again to you. Okay, so you already told me you love Jesus. You want him to fully take over. But now, would you agree that any mindset that would stand here or any behaviors that wouldn't be worthy of who he says you are, that you don't want them, You don't want any room for those things, and you want him to fully come and just take over. You want him to fill every space. You want him to give you new gifts. You're coming and saying, Holy Spirit, I just want you to completely fill me up. Would you agree with that? So as we come, once again, we would dip her completely under the surface. And as she goes under the water, you're doing so good. She goes under and is completely covered in that place. What you would find is the picture is she's been immersed. Listen, we're told to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the picture is she is coming into agreement with who she already is. She is immersed with the Father's love. Every part around her, there's not a part anywhere around her that is not immersed with how much he loves her. She's immersed with Jesus' forgiveness and his grace. And she is immersed with the Holy Spirit's uh, power and his joy. And so this is what we find for somebody like Juliana when she gets in the water and comes out, something changes. Thank you, Juliana. Appreciate it. Actually, Juliana, stop real quick. Stop real quick. I'm going to pray for you. So, Father, I'm asking right now, this is more than an illustration. Here's a daughter that has said, I want you more than anything. And I believe her. God, you delight in this daughter of yours. God, I can't even move forward for a minute because you need her to stop and breathe in and know that you delight in this daughter of yours. He says, I'm very well pleased in you. There is nothing lacking in you. those things that you see about yourself that you've written off as quirky or different, he says, they're designed. They're glory. I put them there because they're needed. And I needed a daughter that would be bold and confident enough that she would lift up her head and she wouldn't apologize. And she'd just be it. And Juliana, I want you to know that that's what I see in you. I see somebody bold enough with delight to lift up her head. And your father delights in you. As you've come before him even there a minute ago saying, I just want all of his forgiveness. He says, you have it. Now and forever you have it so any voice that would come in your head and tell you that you're not enough any voice that would curse you cast it back to the darkness it is not the voice of your father he says I delight in you I've got to shout it again I delight in you I delight in you I delight in you all of my forgiveness is yours all of my love is yours and Julian, as you stood in this place, and listen, I've got to watch you grow all the way up. I sincerely ask the Lord before this, who do you want? You can see this is not a planned moment. He pulled you out because he wanted you in front of all of your friends to be seen and affirmed for who he says you are. And so now as you've come, I pray for you to be immersed in the joy and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. May old lies that have come around you to tell you that you're not enough, may they fall away and never come back again. May it be a chain that loses you that you just leave behind because you've got a moving sidewalk to run down and bring your friends. I pray that there would be a new confidence. Juliana, there are ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And I sense you've been second guessing it. I don't—I have no idea what it would be. But ways that he's stirring, there's gifts he's given you. There's things that you see and you've been second guessing it. He said, don't second guess anymore. Be filled with confidence. Be filled with confidence. Father, would you come now and fill this daughter that you delight in? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Just stay here just a minute, this is delight in you, you're not an inconvenience and I'm never in a hurry and Juliana you've watched me preach I don't sit for a second I don't stop for a second. But the Father says we have to stop right now. He sees you. He delights in you. this place, if you before the Lord would just, would you stand with me, close your eyes. Would you lay a hand on your heart right now because the Father is speaking and he's moving. Holiness is not a monument, it's not a moment, it's a movement. So first I want to ask right now and I don't want to miss this moment. But if there's somebody here in the room right now, I'm gonna ask every other eye, just be closed. But there's somebody in the room right now would say, I'm not sure that I'm on that moving sidewalk with Jesus, but I wanna be sure today. I wanna know that I know that I know. Can I just ask where you are? Everybody else has a hand on your heart, but if that's you, can I just ask you to just lift the international sign of surrender is both hands over your head. If right now you're saying, I don't know if I belong to Jesus, but I wanna know from here. I'm not gonna call you out. But I'm gonna ask right now, would you just, is that sign of surrender, both hands up in the air, thank you, thank you, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Would you be willing to say, thank you, Father. Would you be willing to say, just like Juliana, Father, I'm not arguing with you anymore. I choose to believe that you delight in me. I'm not gonna curse myself anymore because I believe that you've blessed me. I'm not gonna penalize myself anymore because I believe you've paid it all for me. Jesus, here I am, I'm yours. Would you just tell him right there? Jesus, here I am. And maybe right now you don't feel the offering you have to give him of your life is very much, but would you give it fully? He says it's a treasure. And oh, Jesus, I ask right now, would you come and fill them with your spirit? That same confidence we prayed for your daughter, would you fill them right now? In fact, Julianne, I'm gonna ask if you would just extend your hands out. And don't worry, you're not worry you are not mic nobody's hearing you. But would you just out loud just pray that for the Father to do in their life? Would you just say this, say, Jesus, the same way you delight me, the same way you delight in me, would you show them you delight in them? The same kindness you're pouring on me, would you pour in them? The same confidence you're giving me, would you give them? Oh, Jesus, yes. So now we seal by the Holy Spirit. May you know, may there never be another moment of your life that you don't know that you are adored by your Father in heaven. You're on the sidewalk, and so I'm gonna say two things to you, my friends. One, I'm gonna say it's time to run. Two, you might not have come and closed to be baptized, but the Lord might be saying to you today, go ahead and do it. Come and join us. Get in the water. It's gonna be good. Everybody else, this is what I'm gonna ask right now with your hand on your heart. What is the Lord saying is a contaminant that needs to be cleaned? Is there a mindset that needs to be surrendered before him? Is there something you've been holding on to? And all I'm gonna ask you to do is just hold your hands out. If there's a mindset or a lifestyle, some place that you have been walking that is not worthy of who you are and you're ready to let it go, I'm just gonna ask that you put both hands out in front of you You say, Jesus, I can't free myself of this thing, but I'm asking for your kindness right now to come. I don't want this mindset anymore. I don't want this behavior anymore. And so I choose today to agree with you and I let go of this thing. That's where it starts. You're letting go of ownership and friendship. I let go of it. Would you break its power in my life? I see chains falling all around the room. Would you break its power in my life? It's illogical. It shouldn't be that simple. There should be more steps. Would you break its power in my life? I don't want it anymore. I disown it. For one of you, what I'm going to say is today might be the day that God said that he broke some mindset. And there's a declaration of that that you need to go in the water. We got more towels. Come on. For somebody today, you got to choose community. You've been walking alone and you know it. But it's time to come and be in. I want to say to you, we talk about baptizing people into the body of Christ. I'm going to say for you right now, if you've been walking a path of isolation, you say, you know what? What the Lord wants to change in my life is he wants to immerse me fully. No longer am I going to be the Lone Ranger. No longer am I going to be offended by everybody. I want that thing to break in my life and I'm ready to come in community. Maybe you need to come in the water with us today. The final one is this. There's some place where you've been called to come and cherish Christ. You say, oh Lord, I'm done being too busy. I'm done with shame. Hand on your heart, would you say this, Lord? You choose me. And I choose you right back. Somebody here, you're aware that you've been distracted and you've been a fraction of yourself. I say, don't carry another moment of shame. Just choose him back. Just go back and do what you did at first. Father, I pray right now that delight would fall in this room. Father, I pray. Listen, listen the shout of delight is greater than the whisper of shame the shout of delight is greater than the whisper of shame the shout of delight is greater than the whisper of shame so everybody in the room you're holding something you don't want to hold anymore I'm going to ask you to hold it out in front of you on the count of three. We're just going to drop it together because the shout of delight is greater than the whisper of shame. You got something you're holding, a mindset, a lifestyle mask. Every person in the room, if there's something you're holding right now. You say, no more. I'm ready to be done with that thing. You got it in your mind? Would you hold it out in front of you?
1: We're not going to say another word.
0: We're not going to figure out another thing. We're going to trust that Jesus himself is big enough. One, two three throw it on the ground let it go 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 go. would you tell him I'm letting it go no more no more no more now for somebody in the room The Lord said that there's something that has been done and I want to encourage this the question comes often when should I get baptized I'll tell you a few things one when you made a new decision to follow Christ if you've said I've crossed the line I'm ready to be in man I, I want you to join us in the water number two God just broke something in your life that was major and you say yeah there was a time I got in the water before but man he's cleansed something and it's different now and I'm ready for that picture I'm ready for him to come and just fully immerse and take over I want you to come into the water if you're coming hungry, he will always meet us there. As we seek wholeness, the only result can ever be a holiness that pours out of everything.